Sorry. Wow, didn't expect that. I get a little choked up with the intro video. Not supposed to do that, right? But it's great to see all of you. Uh, today we're beginning a brand new series. Welcome. If you're visiting here with us, there's a series that we're doing on uh, Recovery Road. And uh, we're going to take out the next several weeks to look at, as a country, how we can get back on the right track. I apologize. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You're supposed to be all. But uh, why don't we start off with a prayer, and then we can get going. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege that we have to meet in your name. God, we thank you for this country that we live in. It's an amazing place with so much potential. Father, we ask you today that uh, you can help us to begin our road of recovery. Our country's hurting. It doesn't seem like it, and people probably won't see it today. But there are a lot of families in need right now. And there are a lot of people that don't have jobs. And, Father, we, we pray that you'll help us as a church, as all of us here present today, can begin that road to recovery. And that your word can speak to us on how we can make a difference, how we can live out what you want. Father, I want to offer up a prayer for our brother Sergio Andrade, who lost his mother yesterday. Uh, pray, God, that you'll minister to him and his family. Thank you, God. We love you. Bless us and help us. And fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're, we're getting ready to go. It's game day. So today, as I said, we're starting a brand new series called Recovery Road. And uh, we're, we're going to... We're going to look at some things, and people have, you know, asked the question, well, why, why are you going to talk about such a hot topic in our society today? You know, and for a lot of churches, things like we're going to talk about for the next several weeks is off-limits. You don't go there. But, you know, every once in a while, things are so big, so in your face, so all the time, that we've got to address it. And, and particularly, you know, when something intersects with you know, our culture and our country and what's happening, you know, and then the Bible has something to say about it. We, we have to talk about it at church. And I feel a responsibility to talk about what we're going to talk about the next few weeks because Jesus has something to say about what's happening. You know, and there's a lot of opinions out there, a lot of people with a lot of ideas. Well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And you'll hear it all day long, particularly if you listen in your commute to talk radio. Man, you're going to get a lot, a lot of stuff. You know, in different groups, they have their opinions on why the situation is what it is. But you know what? God's Word has something to say on this issue and why we are where we are. And we need to look at that. We need to take a hard look. And, and you know, one thing I would say for us as a church and, and as a nation, and there's a lot of discussion about whether we're a Christian nation or not, but there's a large percentage of our population who say they're Christians. If just that group of people would really hear what God's Word has to say, do you know what a difference it could make in our country right now? We, we could begin on a road of recovery unprecedented. In our time. And so I want to encourage us not to miss the opportunity in this next few weeks 
as a church. You know, we're, we're, we call ourselves a lighthouse church of Christ because we really want to be a light in our community. But it's not enough to say it. It's not enough to have a sign out front. The way that the Christians in the first century did it is they lived a life that drew attention to their face. And that's what's important for each one of us to do today. So, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about is faith as a filter or filtering our face. That's a huge question. In our society today, we can't make the mistake of previous generations who look at our faith through the filter, through the filter of our politics. Instead, let us be the unique generation that looks at our politics through the filter of our faith. In other words, your faith has got to be the lens from which you look at everything that goes on in your life, not vice versa. And you know what I love about our church? We come from all kinds of backgrounds and we have all kinds of opinions and beliefs and, and we all believe one thing, that God's Word is the truth. But, you know, in this area, I'd say that all of us got to come together on this. That we got to stop filtering our faith, but rather use our faith as a filter to how we look at things in our society. And let's, let's bring out the Bible to test what, what God's position on this. And, you know, if all the Christians and all the churches that, that really believe in the Bible, that really practice God's Word, if, if they did this, if they did what we're going to be looking at the next five weeks, this would bring unity and solutions instead of the ongoing problem that seems to be so hopeless. And, you know, so a lot, many of you say, well, man, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring back uh, Sharia law and are we going to, you know, begin stoning our children and, and, and things like that? No, we're not talking about that. No fear. We're, we're in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. And, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today, although some of you have thought about reenacting that law with some of your children. Okay, I won't mention any names, but we're in the New Testament. Today, what's your position? What's your position? You know, and I, I want to ask if you're, if you're a Christian in this country that you could stop. No matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a Tea Partier, uh, an Independent, a Libertarian, I'm in the middle, I'm everything, I'm nothing, or I don't care. Maybe that's your party. Maybe that's your position. Today I want to ask you to set all that aside and ask one question. What would your heavenly Father have you do? Not say, not position you would take. What would He have you do in your life? And if you're visiting here with us today, you know, you, you can weigh in on what we're saying. And you can think about, you know, what's going on out there and what does God's Word have to say? And I believe it can make a huge difference in our, in our community. And, and I want to I encourage all of us to view our current national situation through the eyes of our Savior. How does Jesus see it? And boy, our eyes are going to get open. So I encourage you to prepare yourself, put your seatbelt on, because we're going we're gonna to look at some things that are really, really tough. Where would recovery be, begin if we looked at this? Where would recovery begin? You know, recovery would not begin in Washington or some far, far, far away place, but rather we the people could begin the recovery. It could start right here with us, the people, not some other place, not some other situation.
And God's, God's Word can help us. So are you ready to begin on the recovery road? Are you ready to take that first step down the road to recovery? Well, let's go then. When was the last time that you heard of somebody really famous, a celebrity, an athlete, who made more money than they could possibly spend? You know, I did some, some, some research last night, and it's, it's amazing some what, what these people are making monthly. And then you hear later on in life, they get to their middle age and they file for bankruptcy. They lose their house. They don't have anything. They're broke. And you go, what? How? How did that happen? That's the first thing you think, right? How in the world? They had, they had recognition. They had everything. They were at the top. How could they blow all that money? And it happens a lot. You know, I was, I was, I was reading uh, just this weekend about there's a, there's a place where you can go, how to blow your wealth like a rock star. <laughs> and it gives you the step-by-step plan on how to, how to file for bankruptcy just like a rock star. But there's two things that we think. How, how in the world could that happen? And then the second thing, anybody know what the second thing is? What you would think when you hear that, that news? There it is. I would... I would never let that happen, not on my watch. If I had all that money, no way. No way would I do that, right? Absolutely no way would that happen to me. How did this happen? How did it happen with these people? But what about companies? You know, we've heard of a few companies that, you know, they were household names. Remember Kmart? Some of you are younger, you don't know what Kmart is. There's still a couple around next to the 7-Eleven and things. Kmart, Kmart used to be like Walmart in the old days. Used to be like Target is today. There was Kmart everywhere. You know, we used to have this phrase, attention all Kmart shoppers. Remember that? And then the, and then the blue light special. That's where that started in Kmart. They, they went bankrupt. And you go, how could Kmart go bankrupt? How did that happen? And do you know how hard it is for a company to break through? Just 10% national recognition, much less like 90%, which Kmart was, probably 95% recognition. Everybody knew about Kmart. Then you got Circuit City. Man, how, how did that happen? They, they were the place. They were the, they were the brand. If you wanted something electronic, you knew where to go. You know, you go, you go in there and you find whatever you need, right? You remember? And then they went out of business. They went bankrupt. How did that happen? How do you get to that level and then go break? And then most recently, this, this past year and even rolling into this year, American Airlines is filing for bankruptcy. What? Are you kidding me? American Airlines? They got the big, big red, white, and blue on the side of the plane. How did American Airlines get to that place? Are you kidding me? And if you're in business, you know, you would probably say with all those companies, that's crazy. I would never, if I were running that company, if I were the CEO, the CFO, the COO, I would never let that happen. Not on my watch. Right? But, you know, let's take a step way, 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 way back here. Are you ready? 
What about the United States of America? The America, the United States, I pledge allegiance to flag is going bankrupt? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? And some of you are in denial right now. That's the road that we're headed on. This thing is out of control. And people are looking around going, there is no way, not the red, white, not shut, not sea to shining sea. No way. No way is that going to happen. Really? We're in what kind of situation? Some of our grandparents would be probably rolling over in our grave, they found out. How can the United States of America have financial problems? How can that be? That's impossible. Do you know how much money? Do you know how much wealth? Do you know how much how much how many resources we have? Do you know what's available to us? And you've got to stop and ask yourself the shocking question, how did we get here? And how are we going to get out? What are we going to do? You know that we are the standard for worldwide currency? Even, you know, th this is the economy that everybody wants to invest in. Not sure. It's a little shaky now. Everybody wants our money, even our enemies. When they found... When they found uh, that, that, that guy in, in Iraq, uh, I, I slipped my mind, uh, Saddam Hussein, that's right, thank you. They found him in a spider hole he was hiding. You know what they found just behind him? 800,000 U.S. dollars. See, we're the great Satan, but they love our money. Muammar Gaddafi, he hated us. He said we were the worst. And you know how much money he had stored aside in U.S. currency? One billion U.S. dollars. See, these guys didn't believe in their own economy. They hated us. But guess who? When they look to the future, who's, who are you going to invest in? The U.S. of A. And there's no arguing it. We are an incredible nation. An amazing place. What's happened? And see, every once in a while as a church, we got to stop and go, what is going on and how can we, what is our faith, what does the Bible have to say about us getting out of this situation? Because it's a mess. And so today, you know, we have the opportunity. And, and just like we looked at those celebrities, and I'm sure it's going to keep on happening. You'll hear about it next week and next month. And all these people, these athletes, these celebrities, where they lose all this money. And you go, what? That's what people are looking at the United States right now. That same outlook going, what? Are you kidding? How did that happen? How did the United States of America get in this predicament? And so that's what we're going to be looking at the next few weeks. And, you know, if you were to ask people and even ask this group, I'm sure there'd be a lot of opinions. How did we get here? How did we get in this situation? And many who have attended here, all of us would agree, because a lot of us would start wondering, well, it's this group, it's that group, it's this party, it's that party, it's this, this elected official, it's this and this and that and the other. But some of you have been around a little while. Some of you that attended last year, our Crown Financial, remember that? You know the answer to this question. It's not a financial crisis. No. Our crisis is not financial. It goes a lot deeper. 
And that's what we have to address in the following weeks. You know, it's not financial. And some of you are saying, well, we're going to talk about money for the next, the next five weeks. No, we're going a little deeper than that. We're going to talk about the heart. And, and God's going to address our heart with the end in mind so that we can get on the right track. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is with those, those celebrities, those athletes, with those companies, with, with even our own country, it's a spending problem. It's a spending problem. It's a Twinkie problem. See, we, we wanted the Twinkie. We had the appetite. But we didn't want to really look at, what's this going to cost us? How's this going to affect? You know? And what's amazing is people and companies in every nation can avoid fundamentals. They can avoid standard accounting practices year after year after year after year and avoid fundamentals year after year after year. And you know when that gets their attention? When they're about to file bankruptcy. And that's a little late. And beginning with us, there can be a total turnaround. What is it then? What is it? You know, in, in my line of work as a, as a minister, a lot of people that I've talked to who have an addiction problem, they usually don't deal with it until they have a financial crisis. They won't deal with it. No, it's not a problem. they got money, right? They can afford it. They can afford to pay for their habit. But when it becomes a financial problem, they're broke and they don't have any money, oh, now, yeah, now I've got a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm in a mess. Or, or some of us, many of us, don't deal with things until it affects our health or our finances. Then we've got a problem. Then now, now we have a crisis on our hands. Now, you've had a crisis for a while. The question is, you haven't been dealing with it. You haven't been addressing it. And if you scratch below the surface, you're going to see the real, the real deal, the real problem. And the real problem is this. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Simple principle of life. A man reaps what he sows. What are you sowing? You're going to reap it. If you're sowing in excessiveness, if you're sowing in, 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 in a lifestyle that you can't afford, if, you, if you're sowing in, in the things that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, you're going to reap it. And it's a very simple principle, and that's what's, what's essentially been happening. And here's what happens with this principle of reaping and sowing. You'll always, when you reach that point, you'll always begin to look in your general vicinity for someone or something else to blame for the problem. Right? It's not my fault. It's Mike's fault. It's Ted's fault. It's Paul's fault. See, they're the closest to me. They're in my vicinity. Or somebody else, something else. And we won't take responsibility. See, God wants to help us by helping us take responsibility for us. It starts with us. And, and in this principle, you know, mature people, mature people, what they do, mature people don't look for someone else to blame. Mature people do something about it. And I know that a lot of us, if not most all of us here in this room, are mature people. Immature people, 
they blame and they point fingers and they, they want to they put all the responsibility on something or someone else instead of saying, you know what, it stops with me. Mature people don't point their finger. They look at themselves and they deal with it. You know, we sowed this problem in the United States of America and now we're reaping it. And so the question is, what are we going to stop sowing and what are we going to start sowing so we can start, begin having solutions in our lives? Here's, a, here's one of the, the central problems in our country. Prosperity overload. Prosperity overload. Do you realize that the United States of America sits in the most ultimate place of real estate in the planet? If you were to take away all the countries and say, and give you the opportunity, all right, pick a place, spin the globe, pick a place which is strategically located, not too cold where you freeze to death, not too hot where you burn up, but just in the right spot with resources, sea to shining sea. I mean, just the, the most awesome spot. Maybe not the most beautiful spot, but the most awesome spot. Where would you pick in the whole planet? Yeah, you better believe it. Right here in the good old USA, we got prime real estate right here. It's not a it's not a resource problem. It's not a location problem that we have here in the United States. We have an abuse of prosperity, and guess what? It's caught up with us. It's caught up with us, and it has manifested itself through many things. And so I want to talk about this short list that I have. Now, I know you've got your list, you know, your list of things that it's manifested itself, but, but I got the microphone, okay? So if, if you, you want to share your list, you'll have to get your own microphone at lunch. You know, you can invite some friends to your house and then you can share. But today, I got the mic. So you ready for my short list or our short list? Here it is. Number one, we have a discipline problem. In this country, we have a discipline problem. The discipline problem is this. When you have kids and they want something and you say, no, Johnny, they do it anyway. You ever seen a parent in that situation? You ever seen a kid in that situation? And you shake your head and you go, hmm, it's going to get kind of rough around here. Right? You know, we are a country that doesn't like to hear No. We don't like it. And because we don't like to hear no, guess what we do? We leverage our future. We leverage our future so that we can have what we want right now. I want it now, and I want it here, and I want what I want all the time. And if we don't get it, we whine, and we complain, and we stomp our feet. We don't like no in this country. And guess what else? You know, when, when, when you, know, you have somebody, we, we put somebody, an elected official, who says no, guess what we do with that elected official? You're out. And guess who we're going to put in? Somebody who says yes, because we like yes. We don't like no. If you say no, you're gone. But if you say yes, we'll put you in office and we'll support you. And so we've got a lot of people who can't do anything but say Yes, because they know that's how I got here. But the real problem is not them. Guess who it is? It's us. Because we don't like no for an answer. 
We only like yes. And the interesting thing is, when you have more of something than you need, guess what? You're never disciplined with it. Think about it. We are a country that has so much food. Do we make sure it gets around to everybody? Do we make sure we spread it around with the rest of the world? No, we waste so much. Even in your own house, when you got a lot of something, do you make sure you use it really, really well? It's rare. We waste so much, and we're not disciplined with it. And this country has been so prosperous, and we have had so much of so many things for so long, and guess what? We haven't been disciplined with it. Right? You see that? This country, I mean, I don't know if you've been outside of this country. And, you know, in other places, like in the third world, you know, you go to another place and you see another place, you realize, you know, hey, they don't have what I have, but they're so much more grateful. And then the second problem I have on my list is we have an entitlement problem. You know what the old world, the old, the old word for entitlement was? Old-fashioned word? You know what it was? Spoiled. It's just plain and simple that. We're spoiled. We're incredibly spoiled. We have an entitlement problem. We think because we breathe, we deserve it. Why do you deserve it? Because I'm here, all right? I should get this. Have you ever tried to take, have you ever tried to take something from a rich person who felt entitled to it? Have you ever tried to take something from a poor person who felt entitled to it? Have you ever tried to take something from a middle-class person who felt entitled to it? Have you ever taken something from a four-month-old child who felt entitled to it? What do they do? Oh, man, they scream. They yell. Because they're entitled you see, in this country, we think we're entitled to everything. We deserve it. And our culture feeds into that entitlement. You owe me. Everybody owes me. You know, you're probably here today in church and say, okay, you owe me. Give me something. Give me something that I need. I am. Maybe it's not what you want, but I am giving you what you need. Okay? It's the, it's the truth. And... You know, when you travel to a third world country, you realize, man, they have so much less than we do. And some of us have been on these member missionary trips. Some of the college students are going to get a chance to go to Mexico and build a house this summer, which is exciting. But you know, when you sit down and you go into these people's homes, and it's just a small little house, and, and they, they barely have enough, and there's five people living in this small room, they're so happy. And they're so grateful. And yet they don't have very much. Why is that? Because they don't feel entitled. And see, then we come back from our trip and we're like, oh, thank goodness, now I get all my stuff back and I have all this overload of stuff and I have everything, right? Are you really looking at you and where you're at? And these people have far less. And number three, we have a greed problem. We have a greed problem. You know what greed is? Here's greed. Greed is the assumption that everything that comes my way or your way is for your consumption or my consumption. Let's just say I had a plate of cookies here. Okay? Big plate of cookies. Full. Chocolate chip. 
just smelling the, the, the chocolate and the dough, and you're just going, mmm, and I got a big fat plate, and I haven't had lunch yet. And somebody gave me that plate, and I said, mmm, and all you people are here, right? All of you, especially you people in the front row, and you get to smell it. I go, hey, I got some cookies. And guess what? All these cookies are for me. Not for you. Especially not for the people in the back over there. You're not, you, no, this is for me. This is, this is, that's greed. Do you know that in our country? Do you know that in our country? People in the United States, the average gift that people give to nonprofits and churches, meaning helping other people, helping other organizations, they keep 98.5% of their income. That's the average. We are a greedy, greedy nation. What we get, we keep. And we use for ourselves. And the, and the, the interesting is, how do you know we're a greedy nation? The wealthier you get in this country, the less you give the percentage of your income to others. You don't keep giving at the same rate. You give, you, give, you give a smaller amount because the percentage now is smaller. That's a fact. That's a description of our country. That's, that's who we are. And the poorer you are in this country, guess what? The more you give. Greed is an abuse of prosperity. Because you think you earned it. You think you're entitled to it. You think it's all about you. It's an abuse of prosperity. God doesn't bless a person, doesn't bless a nation, so they can hoard it and keep it all to themselves. You know, a lot of you know this. You know that when God blesses you, there's other people that could use a little of what you have to help them out. And you can make a difference. And then number four, we have a failure of nerve problem. We have a failure of nerve problem. What does that mean? It's when a leader looks at a situation or a problem and recognizes the solution but fears the consequences of that action. Who are we talking about? Parents, national leaders, business leaders, and guess who else? Preacher leaders. We can all fall into this category. Anybody and everybody who leads something. And that's a problem in our country. We got a failure to lead, but before before we get too judgmental about, yeah, yeah, that's them, and and there's a failure in in Washington, et cetera, et cetera. Parents in the house, I'm sure of it. You've probably had a failure of nerves. Let me describe it for you. Bedtime is at eight a eight p.m. Bedtime is at eight p.m. and your kids they throw a fit and they say, I'm not going to bed, and they cry and they make this whole scandal and they won't go to bed, and you finally. At 10.30, you get them to bed after just a, a grueling situation, right? Very next night, 8 o'clock, okay? Honey, it's your time, your turn to put the kids to bed, okay? Or we let them stay up till 10 and the thing spins out of control. That's a, that's a perfect example and so we got to be careful with that. It's something we've all got to take a responsibility for. And so back to our, our principle. Filter. Faith is our filter or filtering our faith. 
And you know, I can hear some of us who say, yeah, you know, those Democrats, they're the problem. Those Republicans, man, they're so, they're so greedy. All they want is more and more and more. And those Tea Party people, you know, they, they're so religious and they can't see straight and those independent and, and this person and that person. And we start pointing fingers at everybody. Just spend a little time on the news and you'll hear it. Talk radio, you'll hear it. Who's at fault? They are. You are. In reality, that's not the way it is. And that's not the answer. You know, and some of us think, <laughs> if it wasn't for that former president, President Bush, we wouldn't be in this situation. And then some of the others of us have said, well, if it wasn't for the, the present president, we wouldn't be in this situation that's worse than it was then. Let me tell you something. It's not Obama's fault. It's not... President Bush's fault. It's not Bill Clinton's fault. This goes way back. It goes so far back, it comes right into your living room. It's time for us to take a real strong look. And here's the interesting thing is, and it gets so intense right now in our country, it's getting so intense, people are picking up stones. And they're ready to throw the stone. Yeah, those people over there, and I'm going to throw it. And, and then the people over there, they've got their stones. And then the Tea Party guys, man, they got two stones. They're, they're, wow. Wow. They're ready. They're hot. They're ready to throw both of them. And as people are picking up their stones and they're rearing back, Jesus said, just a minute. Just a minute. I got something to say here. And then everybody goes, yeah, Jesus is finally going to speak. Let's hear what Jesus has to say because I know Jesus is going to back our position because he's a Republican and, you know, he goes to church just like us and he started the church, so he's with us. And then the Tea Parties are going to say, oh, yeah, we're religious, so he's going to be with us. And then the Democrats say, oh, no, no, Jesus is going to speak for our position because he loves the poor and he stands for the poor and he knows what it's like to have a single mom. Just before people start throwing their stones, people, Jesus has to speak. And then before he speaks, they ask him the question, so Jesus, are you far right or are you far left? Which one is it? And he was put in this situation. Are you far right or are you far left? And Jesus say, I'm far out. I'm way up here. And this is something that each one of us, if you call yourself a Christian, you've got to separate yourself from your political persuasion. And I love our church because we've got all kinds of people from different places, but one thing we all have to settle down about is we take Jesus' position above all other positions. And I promise you, if you start looking at your, your, your politics or your viewpoint... Through the eyes of your faith, through the lens of your faith, things are going to start changing. And when I was preparing this lesson, man, it was a wake-up call for me. I don't know if I'm going to be listening to as much stuff as I've been listening to, and I'm going to start focusing on what I need to focus on. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we need to hear. So, Jesus is not far right or far left. We're looking to look at a passage now in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was put in this position. He was put in this position. So come side with us, Jesus, or come side with them. 
And he had, he had people in his own discipleship group, you know, of the 12 that were of, you know, one of those extreme places. Look what he says here in chapter 22, verse 17. Tell us then, what's your opinion? Or in other words, what's your position, Jesus? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Pretty, pretty valid question today, right? Why should I pay taxes if they're just going to waste it? If they're just going to take advantage of it? Let me tell you, it was much worse then than it is now. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, because they were trying to trap him, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought in the denarius, and he asked them, whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? And they replied, just like, you know, if you had a dollar bill, whose inscription? If you had a hundred dollar bill, whose inscription? Benjamin. Okay, we'll give to Benjamin. What is Benjamin? And then he, this is what he says here. Then he said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And now catch this. Give to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. And they left him and went away. Why were they amazed? Because Jesus didn't take the bait. Many of us take the bait. It's time for us to stop taking the bait. What's the problem? Who are we listening to? Who are we swayed by? What position are we taking? It's time to start taking God's position. And it's time for us to start taking responsibility for what we're doing and how we're making this situation occur. And today, as all of us who believe in Jesus need to lay down our affiliation to a political persuasion and listen to Him. Are you with me on that? If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, it's not optional. Jesus is calling us to use our faith as a filter, not our politics as a filter to how we view the world. And this is huge. This, this could make all the difference in our society. Here's another verse that we're going to look at. Now, this is, you better strap in because this is, this, is a, this is a strong one. Okay, you ready? Jesus said this after his Sermon on the Mount. Why do you look at the, spe- the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And then someone raised their hand. Oh, I know. I know why. Because it makes me feel empowered to point the finger. I feel empowered if I do that. If I point out the speck in your eye and don't deal with me. And guess what else? Because it makes me feel right. It also, I don't have to change a thing. I only got to worry about you. I don't have to deal with me. But this whole situation... And, and a lot of us walk around thinking that, Jesus, I'm sorry, I don't have a plank. You don't understand, I'm right. I mean, you, go, you pull these groups together, these, these different groups in our society, and you pull them together, man, they're so right. Their, their position is so right. They're bent on it. They'll die for it, almost. Is everybody right? Really? I know one thing's for sure. We're all Americans. 
maybe a few exceptions here today, but we're all Americans. And guess what? You live in this country, and you're an American, you're part of it. And I promise you, I promise you, you got something in your eye. And it's time to stop pointing the finger at other people and start looking at you. And start looking at me. This is a we problem, not a they problem. It's a we problem. And look what else he says in verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And do you know how Jesus knows that we have a plank in our own eye? Because we're so focused on the sawdust in other people's eye. It's, it's an obvious Need when you when you start pointing out other people, it's obvious that there's something there's something going on in you, in your eye. And recovery road. This, if you're going to get anything from today's lesson, just write this this phrase down. Recovery road begins with me, not with they. Or in other words, recovery road begins with we, not they. If we're going to start on this road to recovery. We gotta stop looking at other people and start looking at ourselves. Stop pointing fingers and start looking at at me and what I'm doing and what what I'm contributing to. We go on to verse five. He says he continues. Oh, this is strong. You hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? When you want somebody else to do something or you expect somebody else to do something that you're not willing to do. That's a hypocrite. If you want somebody in Washington to change something, but you're not changing it at home and you're doing the exact same thing, somehow, some way, some related form, you are a hypocrite. Plain and simple. Strong words. But is it the truth? Look what Jesus says. First. First. If you want to make a difference in our society, first. If you want to make a change in our economy, first. First. If you want to get your situation to another level, first, first do what? Write a letter to Congress? No. First, take the plank out of your eye. Then you will see clearly. Can you imagine two guys, and this is how it is in some of these situations. You've got two guys in some of these, in some of these debates. You've got two guys with telephone poles protruding out of their eyes. Okay? I can't say too much because I got one myself. And they're trying to help each other get the, other, the, the telephone pole out of the other guy's eye. And they're banging each other. Before we can say one word, guess what we have to do? Let's deal with us. Let's deal with me. Let's, let's take responsibility. When something about you, and this is huge, when something about you bothers me, I need to take a look, long look at me before I bother you. If something bothers me about you, i got to take a long look at me before I even bother you about your stuff. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's talking about. And this mentality could change everything. You don't realize this could change our country if we would start thinking and acting like this and start dealing with our stuff like this. And this is true. This principle that we're looking at here is true in family. 
It's true in business, and it's true in your network of friends. If you want to fix everybody else, it's got to start with you. If you want to fix your employer, if you want to fix your, your, your situation, it's got to start with who? With you. And recovery begins with we. Now we have some planks. Are you ready for the planks? Because you didn't think you're going to get out of here so easy, right? Now this is a difficult thing for me to do because this is where, in this part of the lesson, this is where I got really convicted. And this is what lowered my guard to say, hmm, I got a lot to change. Are you undisciplined with your money? Are you undisciplined with your money? Do you have credit card debt? Are you spending and living beyond your means? How is it that you can point the finger at people in Washington when you got the same stuff going on, we got the same stuff going on in our own life? How do you do that? You know what? You can't say anything. Jesus is saying, no. No, you can't say anything. First, you've got to deal with you. Yeah, but it's my money. No. It's not your money. That's part of the problem. Are you greedy? Here's another plank. Are you greedy? Does 98% of what you get placed on your plate get used on your lifestyle? If the answer is yes, then you've got a greed problem. Because you think everything you receive is for who? For you. That's not God's principles. And that's not even a right way of thinking in our society. And it leads to huge problems. And it's not just a money thing. You know, greed, sometimes we think it's a money thing. You know, it's a time thing also. Some of, when's the last time that you dedicated a significant amount of time in your schedule to others? Well, I don't have time. It's, it's my kids. Guess what? Your kids are an extension of you. What a difference it would make if we would stop focusing on ourselves all the time and start giving time to other people, helping other people. What a difference would it make? Another plank. Are you paying your taxes? Are you paying your taxes? You know what Jesus said about this, right? And you know, we say, well, I, you know, I don't know if I believe in the system and this and that and the other. Hey, listen, if you don't take responsibility for your plank, how are you going to say anything about anything and anybody else? And, and here's another one for the men in the house. Are you taking care of the children that you have brought into this world? It's a very touchy issue, but let me tell you, Research has shown that this, this is the, the thing that drives poverty in our society right now. Kids that don't have a dad who's taking care of paying child support, taking care of the needs of their children. That's a plank. You can't say anything. Because you are driving our problem right now. Are you collecting disability when you can work? Really? Then you're part of the problem. You got a plank. Is there a failure 
of nerves at your house and your home? Are you afraid of your kids? Are you afraid of your teenagers? Are you afraid of your wife? You should be. Just, just kidding. Are you afraid? Are you afraid of your husband? Are you afraid of the consequence? You know what? We got to take a stand for what's right, and we got to speak when there's a problem. You know, I'm very grateful for my wife because she'll tell me if there's something not right, and many times because of what she said. Change happens, you know, and and I think for parents we got to take a stand with our children. They need us to raise them. They're not ready for independence at 14 years old. I'm sorry, they're not ready to be on their own. They're not ready to make their own decisions. You have a God-given responsibility to lead them to say, "No, this is where it stops. You need me." And I know your friends are wild and free, but you're not. Like the song says, no, you're not ready for that yet. You need me, and I'm going to love you, even when it's hard. Are you stealing from your employer? Another plank. Are you stealing from your employer? Are you working the system of our government, of benefits, of clauses, of loopholes? Guess what? You're part of the problem. Here's another one, pretty popular in our society right now. Are you smoking pot? Are you using illegal drugs? Swag, as they call it. If you call yourself a Christian. And you're using illegal drugs. Do you know what you're contributing to? You are contributing to a bloodbath war, where tens of thousands of people are being slaughtered. Innocent people are being assassinated every day. Well, I don't see that. You're fueling its economy. By your substance abuse. So, well, I don't, I, you know, I'm not. No, you are a part of it. You've got a huge plank, and you are a part of this epidemic problem that we have in this country. Do you know why there's not a car, a cartel for cassette tapes? Because nobody needs them. Nobody wants them. Nobody's using them. So, why would you pay some of the darkest people? Why would you fuel that economy? That's a hard thing, and we're we're to, we're we're in a very very predicament. And I'll I'll leave it there. But you know, you can make your own list. But when I came away from some of these lists, I had to do some real hard thinking. Hmm. What am I doing? What have I got going on? You know, the finger kind of just—I'm、mm, gonna have to deal with me. 
And that's what I want us to come away with. Recovery is right there at our doorstep for this group. And don't undermine the difference that we can make as a church if all of our other Christian brothers and sisters can do the same thing and start practicing what Jesus is saying here and stop getting bought in and brought into this whole complete confusion of who's at fault. We, we are responsible So let's close this thing out. Can you imagine if all of us as a nation, the Christians in this nation, begin to address this issue? So huge. And then the point here, the take home is, recovery road begins with we, not they, we. And so I'm going to leave you with this. Four things. I really want you to weigh in on these these areas. Your discipline problem. Your greed problem, your spoiled problem or your entitlement problem, and your lack of nerve problem. really want you to weigh in on that and start making some decisions. You know, when I was going through this lesson, as I said, it, it really stirred me and I had to ask myself, man, I, I got I to gotta take a step back and I got to make some changes. I get to get on a plan of recovery myself before I ask anybody else to get on a recovery road. But I know as a church, if we take what we're learning today and the next couple of weeks, it's all practical stuff. We're going to be at a whole different place in a couple of years. And then in a constructive way, we're going to be able to help other people. And not just by saying it, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, hey, look, what you're... you're you got everything together. And you say, yeah, you know, I do, but the real reason why I do is because I'm looking at my life through the filter of the Bible. See, this is my filter. Not my political persuasion. Not my society. Not by the little emblem flag that I have on my lapel. No, it's, it's by my faith. That's what drives it. So let's go to God in prayer as we pray for our communion. God, I know this is a a tough thing to hear for a lot of us. It makes us feel incredibly uncomfortable, as it did me. God, I pray for us as a nation. I pray for us as individuals that you'll please, as a church, that you'll please forgive us for our hypocrisy. God, forgive us for pointing our finger. And God, as I started out this lesson, I I thought about our country and it's such an amazing place with so much potential to make a difference in this planet. Yet we have spun out of control. God, we have abused prosperity. We have been greedy. We confess, God, our, 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 our corruption of abusing the system, taking advantage of things, spending beyond our means. God, I pray you please forgive us now as a church, as a people, as individuals. God, we thank you that Jesus came to die and shed his blood so we could start over. Please forgive us, God, and help us to get on a plan of correction, of change. We need you. We're thankful to be here, God. Please, please help us. And thank you for Jesus, God, that he teaches us how to to step above all the all the human arguments and follow you and be loyal and faithful to you. Thank you for his blood. Thank you for his body. Thank you that we can celebrate and remember what he went through 
so that we could start over and be forgiven of all our sins. We love you. We need you. We need Jesus. Be with us and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.